This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. Welcome to the Craft Beer and Brewing Podcast. I'm Jamie Bogner. This is episode 226 of the podcast. And I would be lying if I didn't, or if I told you that I wasn't excited about today's episode. We are in Brussels today. Joe Stang is co-hosting with me again. Thank you. Hi. Hi. And we are sitting in the upstairs bar at uh, Cantillon with Jean Valois. Welcome to the podcast, Jean. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome to you. We are excited to talk about lambic brewing today and uh, using fruit and lambic and all the historical processes as well as the modern twists that Cantillon brings to the world of lambic. We're very excited to have this conversation. Before we do, what if you could chill your beer with a more efficient chiller? The answer, GND Chiller's new micro-channel condensers. GND's micro-channel condensers are highly efficient in hotter regions. Use a fraction of the refrigerant over traditional chillers, which provides less opportunity for leaks along with lower global warming potential. GND Chiller's engineers are committed to green technology design while developing a more energy efficient chiller for the brewing industry. Contact GND Chillers today at gdchillers.com. Also, support for this episode comes from BSG and Fermentis, the obvious choice for beverage fermentation. Soft Brew LD20 is a new all in one Saccharomyces pastorianus yeast and enzyme blend designed to produce lower-carb, dry lager beers. Softbrew LD20 is capable of high attenuation at low temperatures, making it the perfect choice for clean lagers with very low residual sugars. To harness the power of Softbrew LD20, or to learn more about Fermentus' range of fermentation solutions, get in touch with BSG at go.bsgcraft.com slash contact dash us. So, Jean, the story of Cantillon has been told many times. Um, many people are familiar with it, but I would love uh, you know, for you to, to share the, the, uh, some of that history with us now and, uh, and talk about your place in it. This is a historical, you are, it's a family business, you are a multi-generational brewer, and you have been carrying on this tradition uh, that has been going on for many, many, many decades here at Cantillon. A bit more than 100 years, yeah. Uh, we will we will fest in uh, 2025 for uh, 125th anniversary. So the brewery was founded by Paul Cantillon, my great grandfather, and Marie Troch, my green grandmother, uh, and both um, they were coming from uh, Lambic family, uh, both located in uh, in Lambic. Paul Cantillon uh, was not the, the oldest son of the, the family, and so his brother took the, the, the familial uh, brewery over in, uh, in Lembeek, and that's why he opened his own brewery. It's its, its own blendery, because we we were blender from 1900 to 37. Uh, he opened his own blendery here in uh, 1900. Early uh, of the 20th century, we had here in the, ar- the area a lot of uh, breweries, uh, not so far from here, um, we had the brewery La Becas, uh, also a well-known, uh, a well-known lambic brewery. And um, so Marcel and uh, Robert, uh, the two sons of Paul Cantillon, took the brewery over in the late twenties. In thirty-seven, they they bought 
uh, a second-hand brewery. So they, they, they installed here the, 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 this old equipment um, in, during the season 37, 38. So we start some experiments during the season, same for 38, 39, and then arrives the, the, the second war, the war two. They stopped everything because uh, no, no cereals sure. uh, enough to, uh, to brew beer. All the cereals were dedicated to, to bread. And the real season here started in 45, 46. Uh, it was a great time for Lambic. Uh, 40s, 50s, early 60s. Um, late 60s, mid 60s, the problem started. So uh, we had more and more fake Lambic on the market. <laughs> sure. uh, what we can, yeah, fake Lambic, uh, pasteurized Lambic, uh, sweet one. And uh, the real Lambic breweries uh, disappears. Uh, we had, for example, here, after War II in Brussels, around 40 different Lambic breweries and blender. And Cantillon was the only in the city in 83. So in less than 40 years, we lost all wow. the, the Lambic breweries and blenders in, in Brussels, except, except uh, Cantillon. Um, and late 60s, my father, uh, so the, yeah, M Marcel Cantillon had only one daughter, my mother, Claude Cantillon, uh, married with Jean-Pierre Van Roy. And my father, Jean-Pierre, decided to take the brewery over in the late 60s. And it was a crazy decision because uh, uh, it was the, the start of the, the, the problem for right, uh, traditional right. lambics, so uh, no one was asking for uh, for those uh, for this such a, a old beer with uh, with a strange flavor, strange taste, because uh, everything was going on the on the sweet side. Um, and uh, it was indeed a, a crazy uh, a crazy decision because uh, we were in the, the difficulties uh, very fast in the, the early 70s. And fortunately, my, my father and my mother had a beautiful idea who saved the brewery. In 78, they decided to found the museum. So they opened the doors of the brewery for visitors. Uh, first of all, uh, because uh, of the, the, the tickets, so uh, we, we made some money. And the other thing, and probably the most important one, um, it was the possibility to inform people right. about Lambic. Why Lambic, Goose and Creek, a real one, are beer with such a taste? Why a traditional Lambic, Goose of fruit beer couldn't be compared with the fake Lambic and fruit beer on the market, uh, sweetened, uh, pasteurized and so, and so on? So, so you could charge them a ticket to teach them why they should yeah, love your beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, to love your beer, believe me, in the seventies and the eighties, <laughs> it was it was not so easy. It was not sure, so easy. Sure. Um, but uh, if Cantillon is still uh, is still present today, it's certainly due to the museum for right. sure. Yeah, and uh, because such, such a beer, a traditional lambic, I'm not speaking about Cantillon beers. Uh, needs, first of all, information. If you know what you are drinking, you are drinking it 
on the right way. And you can always appreciate it, it yeah, in, the, in the right way. Because when, when you taste something strange, something special, and if you don't have the right information, for the big majority of the drinkers, such a thing could be a bad thing. And I will not be back to taste it later. If you receive the right information, you are not obliged to like the product, but you know why you don't like it. And I think that's very, very important. Yeah. And so we, yeah, it, in, in the 80s, uh, time were still very difficult. I started here to work after my military service in uh, 89 and seven, eight years later, we start to feel some change in the beer world. So at the end of the, the 90s, something, something changed. We got more and more people in the brewery, but not classic visitors, hmm. more and more people who know something about Lambic, who want to discover more about Lambic, and uh, yeah, the, real, the, the real renewal for uh, Lambic and for Soa beers started 10 years later, around uh, two, ten, between 2005 and 2010. In 2014, so we, in 2011, Cantillon uh, reached the um, maximum capacity of this building. Um, that had to feel good yeah, after those sure. quiet years. In 2014, uh, we uh, bought another building located at 200 meters, 250 meters far from here. Um, a building dedicated during decades to lambic storage from the brewery Limbourg uh, till 63, 64. Uh, and we didn't know it when we decided to uh, to buy to buy the building so it's a, it's a beautiful coincidence um and so now we are producing 2004 2500 hectoliters we are at the maximum capacity of both building and uh, my son florian started here uh, to work uh, a bit more than 5 years ago so it's the fifth generation in the brewery, in the Cantillon brewery, but uh, one or two generations more if we take care of our ancestors working in Lembeek. Yeah. For Americans, that's about, what, 2,000 barrels or so per year? Brewer's barrels? Uh, I th- I think, yeah, it's a bit, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. so it's still a small artisanal production. It's small, but it's not as it's not so small for such a type of production. Sure. You know, I try. For me, it's important to keep an eye on my production. Who more you will produce, who less you will have difficulties to keep an eye on your production. Um, at the end of the season, so a season uh, for us starts when the, the, the temperature are cold enough, so it means end October, early November to end March, early April. At the end of the season, early April, we have here uh, about 1,500 to 1,600 full Lambic barrels. We are working mainly with 400 and 500 liters barrel. 
But if you want, so I, I don't know the taste and the flavor of all my barrels. Certainly not. That's totally impossible. And even if I, if I will start to taste it, uh, you have a, a taste evolution after three months. Uh, a beer can change. But I'm living with my beer, you know. Uh, I always say my Lambic is a partner for me. Uh, and if you want to know your partner, you have to, to work with a small group of partners. If you're working with uh, 100 people, you will know 100 people. If you're working with 1,000 people, it's difficult to know 1,000 people. That's why I, I think even if we, we, we would have the possibility to increase the production, maybe maybe uh, reach 3,000 hectoliters, so 20% more, but no more. If I want to, 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 to keep my, my eyes on, uh, on all the production, if I want to, to continue to, to feel my beer, I think we have to, to, to stop to a certain moment and not to, uh, to, to want to produce too much. It's important for you to be hands-on with all the beers that you make. You, Yeah. Don't ask me why. It's, 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 it's a feeling. So uh, I, I don't want to lose the, the, the hands on my, on my production. Yeah. And if we produce too much, I think I will. And that's not the way, that's not the way to do. Jean, obviously the, uh, a multi-generational brewery story is an increasingly rare one. Um, and you have Florian working here now. Um, this isn't a situation where you, you know, go off to brewing school or business school and suddenly one day you decide, yeah, okay, I'll take it over. You grew up in here. Yeah. Can you talk about a little bit about what that was like and maybe share some memories of, of being in this building as a boy? I'm, I'm working, so I was born in uh, 67, late, late six, December 67. As I can remember, I'm, I'm working here I was five, six, seven. So uh, for me, it was a it was a game. Uh, I remember we had here a very old um, a machine to clean the bottles, and uh, my first work in the brewery was to put the bottles on the machine. Um, and in the seventies and the eighties, my parents needed hands. And I was there, so uh, the big majority of my vacation, I was present here in the brewery. Uh, so I, I grew up with, with the workmen, with, with Lambic, uh, and this brewery is, my, is probably more important than my, uh, than my home, uh, because I'm, I'm now for 55, uh, 54, sorry, 54, not 5. Um, and um, I'm living here since more than 50 years. So I... I know everything, the wall, the, the floor, the, 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 the barrels. And, and really, uh, when I say that we are working here with thousand uh, five hundred different barrels, I know those barrels. It's, it's, it's something, it's more than part of my life. That's uh, the brewery. I think that the brewery is, is really living. Lambic is living for sure. But here the building as well. Yeah. I feel it so. Yeah. And I'm part of it. And so I, I was... Uh, I work it here, yeah. Uh, every time it was possible to give a hand to my uh, to my parents, and um, 
after my uh, my military service because uh, I was not brilliant enough at, at school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the 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 way to to follow was probably to uh, to learn something about beer or wine, and my goal was to uh, to go. It was in September to go to uh, vineyard uh, to learn something about wine because Lambic is very close to the wine world. And unfortunately, uh, 15 days before uh, the end of my uh, my service, uh, the only workman in the brewery had a uh, heart attack. And uh, my father told me, uh, I'm sorry, son, but uh, I need you. And so uh, that's why I arrived here immediately after my, my service. And uh, I started without, uh, without never stop because we were, we were only two, my father and I, to work in, uh, in the brewery. So it was difficult to start to do something else uh, because uh, when 50% of the, the people are leaving, uh, it was totally impossible. So, um, and since uh, September 89, I'm here. Uh, not every day, but not so far. Yeah, part of my life. And I love it. I would love to talk about how that experience and knowledge was passed down because blending, especially in this world of Lambic, is so taste and palate driven. And from generation to generation, handing down that understanding of flavor is an interesting thing. Let's talk about that. But first, is your brewery struggling to source or afford berry ingredients? Historic heat waves devastated U.S. berry crops, causing supply to dwindle and prices to skyrocket. That's why brewers are switching over to Old Orchard's craft concentrate blends, which mimic straight concentrates, but at a better price point and with a more reliable supply. Is it any surprise that Old Orchard's best sellers are raspberry and blackberry flavors? Reclaim your margins and order your craft concentrates at oldorchard.com brewer. Also, Brew Monitor from Precision Fermentation is the first real-time comprehensive fermentation monitoring solution. It works with your existing fermentation tanks to track dissolved oxygen, pH, gravity, pressure, temperature, and conductivity in real time from any smartphone, tablet, or PC. Brew Monitor provides detailed insight into your fermentations that helps improve beer consistency, reduce tank time, and increase overall efficiency, saving your brewery time and money. Get started for 30 days risk-free. Visit precisionfermentation.com slash brewing. Passing down that taste that ability to taste and that you know ability to articulate the what you're tasting is such an important generational thing. Talk to me about learning to taste and blend from uh, from your father. I don't know if we can use the the word learn or learning. It's um, it's it's something else. It's it's, it's something natural. I think it's uh, so. I. I started uh, to taste lambic with my with my father, with my grandfather Marcel Cantillon, and you don't learn it really. It's you you are tasting, and it's it's something coming natural, you know. And with the time, I think I don't produce exactly the same blend as my father or my father as my my grandfather. But it's important uh, to follow the same uh, vision of the of the family, 
And uh, so I, I never had the impression to learn tasting or to learn blending. It's it's an it's a natural way to 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 work, and um, that's why I'm doing the same with uh, with Florian. It's um, it's important. It's not important to try to to rush about it. Uh, so if he needs time, he takes time. Blend is probably the most important uh, work in the brewery. We don't we don't we we have to take time to be to to be sure. Uh, and when you are sure of what you are doing, it's something easy. I'm not thinking about a blend. I'm tasting beer, and it comes naturally to choose this type of lambic or this type of lambic. I think that if you if you start to to think about it, if you if you if you start to 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 learn every every tasting every lambic, no, that's. Uh, you are going in a in in a complication, and so uh, here it's it's so so easy when when we are tasting lambic for a goose blend, for example, uh, time to time, we we are tasting a beer more dedicated for a, a fruit beer or more dedicated for a Bruxella, a three assault lambic, and so we mark it on on the barrel. So we won't use this one for the goose, but we we will use it for the creek or for the Bruxella or for the cuvée Saint Gilloise. That's uh, it's. It's so easy, but it's the most important part of the of the job. We are working every every season with uh, a trainee, so we have uh, interns here, three or four uh, every every season. Uh, right now, we have, for example, the son of um, uh, Stefan Tiso, uh, uh, the so winemaker uh, from wine, uh, the, the winemaker, yeah, from Arbois. Uh, we are we are working with the the Vinjon barrel from uh, Stefan. Right. Emric is here uh, to learn to learn about beer, so that's that's also very important. Um, and so for those those people, the the fun part, I think everything is fun for them <laughs> during during the training. But the the, the, the the funnest part of the of the of the job is the blend so to taste lambic from different barrels different age and uh, it's always uh, even even after uh, 30 years for me it's always uh, a great pleasure as well because uh, we can be very disappointed if we don't found the the beer we are looking for if you don't found the right beer but um, uh, it could be also a beautiful thing when you you discover Amazing beers, uh, and uh, you know you can you can have a smile, you can have a bad face, but uh, it's always it's always a very nice part of the job. Let's rewind now a bit and talk about some of your process. You know, our audience is brewers, and they're interested in the way you do it. As we were touring before the podcast. We walked through the brew house. I think people are familiar and have seen those pictures. Like you said, it was an 1800s brew house that was moved here and built here. Um, it's a it's a beautiful piece of old machinery that you all keep going. You use a typical turbid mash process. Um, all of that's common. Uh, you have a, a cool ship that's very shallow with rounded edges that uh, you know copper specifically built for you know for cooling in, mm-hmm. a, in, a, in a particular way. Um, compared to, to some other you know, ways that others brew lambic, are there any interesting elements to the way that you do it that you insist uh, um, you know make it your own? I think compared to other other lambic breweries, uh, 
No, I think they all use the turbine mesh. Think so. Um, so here we we start the, the machine at uh, 48 degrees. Uh, so we don't warm up in the the machine. Uh, we we warm we warm it, but only by uh, hot water adding in the in the mesh. So we start at 48. Uh, then we increase to uh, 56. 56, we empty for the first time. We empty the, the, the mesh tent to pump up the, the wort without any filtration. So that's why the turbid mesh, because the, the, the wort is totally turbid. Right. Um, we uh, empty the, the mesh tent for the first time to pump up the turbid mesh in one of the, the two uh, boiling kettle. Uh, hot water adding to increase to 66. Same thing, we empty the mesh tent to pump up the, the liquid on uh, the same uh, the same boiling tun. In total, we will pump up in between 1,500 and 2,000 liters uh, turbid mesh. Um, so for the second time, the mesh tun is empty. We add again hot water to increase to 72. We stop the mixer, and after 15 minutes, we start to filter the word, so a clean, a clear one, and we pump up on the other uh, boiling tun. For the third time, the mash tun is empty. And to increase to 78, we bring back the turbid mesh in the mash tun. And then we start the, the, the sparging and we will extract. Uh, so we use 1,300 kilo cereals and we will extract uh, 9,500. Uh, 9,500 9, 9, 9, liters to 10,000 liters. Uh, so very long boil uh, in between three and four hours. Uh, we are working with uh, Agetop uh, so to avoid uh, too much bitterness in, uh, in, the, in the Lambic. And at the end of the day, we pump up the beer, uh, the, the word, sorry, on the, on the cool ship to let it cooling for uh, one night. Uh, so we 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 let the the, the word for 16 17 18 hours on the on the cool ship you use a very long boil 3 to 4 hours um not just for evaporation but also to affect the utilization of your hops yeah so we are working with uh, aged tops so uh, it means that we let hop oxidize in contact with the air um and so to 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 decrease the 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 uh, acid alpha Present in uh, in hop because we don't look we are not looking for a bitterness. Lambic is an acidic beer and we are working with the natural acidity of the beer, um, and we are working with uh, with hop because hop uh, contains a natural preservative, uh, lupulin, and we are working with a lot of hop because we need such a preservative to uh, it affects to keep the way the beer. bacteria works. Yeah, and and, uh, and the other way, yeah, uh, hop uh, avoid the bacteria development. That's why we are mainly working with uh, with hop, but we are not look, looking for bitterness. But when you ha- you let hop oxidize uh, the flour, because we are working only with uh, with uh, with the real hop flour, we don't we don't use pellets. Uh, develops some uh, some cheesy flavor, and the only way to avoid to find back the cheesy flavor in the beer is a long boil. So that's also a. Another reason why we let the, the word boil for uh, three, three thirty, four hours. It volatizes off those com- yeah. cheesier compounds. Yeah. 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 How do you age 
those hops? Are they just uh, packed when, in when barrels? We, when they... we buy, for, unfortunately, we are not. Uh, the, we we don't have the right equipment to let the hop aged in uh, in the the, the the building. So when we buy hop, uh, we buy it after two years. So for example, there uh, we are working this season with hop uh, from uh, the season, the harvest 2018 and 2019. So uh, two and three years. Uh, we got here the 19 in September. So we will keep it till the next season, but we don't keep the hop for more than one year normally because we, are, we, we have not the right equipment to do it. And you're using noble hops. And we use only noble hops, yeah. So already low in alpha. But as we were talking about before, you, there's not a specific variety that you insist on. You are simply looking for no, rough I, parameters. I, I, per, it's a personal choice. I, I, I like Alertau. Uh, but we are working here with uh, Alerto, Erzbrucker, with uh, uh, Saz, with uh, Golding. Yeah. I guess while we're talking about ingredients, I'm, I'm curious about the grist um, because the classic uh, lambic ratio would be 40% unmalted wheat, mm-hmm. 60% barley malt. Uh, here the, the percentage is a little bit different, 35? 35, 35, okay. yeah. Is that significant and has it always been that way or why, why is it that... I don't know. Well, I, I apply. <laughs> I apply always the same recipe. So uh, my father, my father uh, used the same recipe than the, the the grandfather. So why my great grandfather or my grandfather decided to work with thirty five percent unmalted wheat? I have no idea. Maybe it was more expensive it's, one uh, year. And <laughs> I don't know, but it's the it's in between thirty five and thirty five and forty. But um, I made. Uh, uh, four years ago, a bit more than four years ago, I made um, an experiment with uh, 50% un- unmalted wheat. Um, so the the very old lambic in the, the 90s, uh, even late 80s, uh, uh, were uh, made with more wheat uh, than uh, malted barley. And so uh, I made it in, uh, if I remember well, uh, it was during my birthday, so it's uh, December 27 for sure, uh, but it was in 17, uh, December 27, 17. Uh, so we made a special brew with uh, 50% um, wheat and 50% malted barley. We kept it for uh, four years in uh, the barrel. Uh, we bottled the beer two months ago, two or three months ago. And the idea is to keep it till uh, 2025 for uh, the 125th anniversary of the brewery. How do you like the result? Is it something you... Yeah, it's, it's different. It's, it's, it's very nice, but it's different than a classic Lambic for sure, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about culture and about that cool ship inoculation because there's a lot of romantic ideas around Lambic and I'd love to get your perspective on it. Before we do that, from the rotatable pickup two on Rogue Brewing's Pilot Brew House to the integrated hopbacks on Sierra Nevada's twin prototyping brew houses, SS Brewtech has taken technology they invented, working with world-renowned industry veterans and made them available to every craft brewer. To learn more about SS Brewtech's innovation list, Head on over to ssbrewtech.com. Also, if you're looking for a direct partnership with an independent hop grower who is as fanatical about flavor and quality as you are, join the revolution. Hop Revolution's only reason for being is sustainably farming and processing New Zealand's most flavorsome hops. 
They get that great beer is not brewed to a past or a future ideal. It's an ongoing journey of fresh thinking. Hop Revolution really is only here for your beer. Let them flavor your thinking stateside directly from Hop Revolution or through Crosby Hops or Mill 95. Learn more at hoprevolution.co.nz. Let's talk about that cool ship inoculation. You know, that culture is important for every Lambic brewery. It's what creates that flavor. It actually has an impact on everything from speed of fermentation to to the flavor expression um, and even the technical function of that beer. And so making sure that as you inoculate in that cool ship, that it is that culture is very important for every Lambic brewer. It's especially important for you all. It's very important. It, it's probably the most important part of the of the brew. It's the natural inoculation, but it's still very mysterious because we we don't play any role in it. That's uh, that's that's why I, I I'm not uh, and I don't like to be called a master brewer because uh, <laughs> it a master you, you you control something about your your beer your uh, your inoculation. Here, uh, when I'm leaving the brewery uh, at six six thirty uh, in the evening, and when my word is on the uh, is on the cool ship cooling naturally, I don't control anything. That's uh, I let I let the nature do, doing it, and you know I'm a bit a lazy brewer. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, and so, yeah, it's very, very important, but uh, no one knows exactly the the process during this this natural inoculation. The thing is that the building is very important because uh, every brewery uh, develop in his building a natural microflora, uh, and that's why every lambic brewery will produce a different lambic because of the nature of the atmosphere in the brewery. And uh, so that's, ri- that's why we try here to use uh, as less as possible uh, chemical products, uh, certainly not in the cool ship room, uh, and if possible, not in, a, in, in the area, in the, in, the, uh, in the attic. Yeah, for the rest, I let Mother Nature doing the job. Some lambic producers will pre-acidify wort to try to change some of the dynamic or make protect the lambic mm-hmm. before or as it is uh, spontaneously inoculated. You all don't do that. No, it's a it's a very old technique. Uh, or uh, you can acidify it with product, uh, acidic product. Or uh, a very old uh, technique was to pump up an old lambic. Uh, Right. Very acidic on the cool ship to blend it with uh, with word. So the goal is to uh, to decrease the pH and to avoid uh, the development of uh, pediococcus. Uh, Pedio are, are responsible to the what we call it uh, the the sickness, the illness. Uh, you call it more in uh, in US uh, ropiness. Right. Um, and if you are working in this way, yes. Maybe you protect your beer, but I think you produce it first of all uh, a bit a bit fast. So uh, the, the lambic will be ready in some months. Here, uh, 
we never acidify the world and uh, our beer are sick, are ropey during the first spring and summer after the brew. And so it means that we need here minimum eight to nine months before to use our beer. But it's a, it's a normal way for the beer. You know, it's like the the childrens they they, they 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 have also to be to be to to be sick to have some 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 illness uh, to uh, to be to to be a bit uh, uh, stronger later in uh, in their life. I I have the same point of view for my uh, for my beer. Uh, that's the first thing. And uh, if you acidify uh, the wort, you certainly avoid the pedio development. So the beer won't be sick, won't be ruppy. But but that's a personal opinion. If you avoid the development of pedio, you avoid probably probably also the development or of other yeast and other bacteria. And so for me it's a lack of complexity for the beer. And that's why we never acidify the world. Never. The wild yeast is the most important piece to you. Bacteria or souring bacteria like lactobacillus happens. Yes, sure, and we need it. Yeah. No, no, no pedio, no, uh, no, no lactic, uh, no acidity in the beer. So, so we need bacteria, but the most important thing we are looking for yeast uh, fermentation. Yeah. So yeast has to take the control of the fermentation. It happens. In my uh, brewer life, it happens once in 2011. So we made the two last brews too late in the season. Uh, spring 2011 was quite warm. And uh, on the two last brews, uh, I lost 80% of the production. Uh, so it, it goes in a, in a bacteria, uh, bacteria fermentation. And uh, it was... Uh, it was very difficult because I, I remember, I, I have some pictures of it. I, we, we opened it, I don't remember, 15, 20 barrels and all the, the beer uh, goes to the drain. It was, uh, it was very difficult, yeah. And not, uh, not difficult because, because we lost money, but it was for me, it was, uh, it was my mistake and, um, you tried to push it. You tried it, to yeah, get yeah. too much. So, but it happens once. It happens once. In, it won't happen at no more, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you you learned the lesson on that one, sure. Um, so after as this ages in barrels, you don't taste for a year. No, because uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, so we start uh, to use uh, the lambic from the previous winter season in September. That's why we start a season in September here at the brewery. Um, and uh, we always start with the beer brewed in October, November. Mm. So uh, it's, it's not... We, we could taste Alembic brewed in, uh, in March, but in September such a beer won't be ready for sure. So uh, we start always with the, the, the first brews from the, the previous season um, and we blend it with the two, the three or the four years because no time to time uh, every year I, I keep beer for four years. Um, and uh, the beer we have to, uh, to say that the beer are 
rappy, but only during the first summer after the brew. So when the beer are going out of rappiness, it's okay. The beer won't be rappy no more. This is a more weather-dependent brewery than most breweries. Um, the, the temperature outside is important for how things happen in that cool ship. So you've had kind of an unusual uh, uh, perch from which to observe climate change in the past decade or, or longer. Maybe you can talk a little bit about what you've observed as somebody who needs these cool winter evenings and maybe how, how this year is going and compared to recent years. So here, the right temperature... Uh, for a brew, for me, are a small frozen, minus two, minus three, two, seven, eight degrees, if the weather is windy enough, so to evacuate um, steam and, uh, and so on. So it's, it's correct. So it means that we have about 10 degrees, a fork of 10 degrees for the brew. But today it's not enough, and that's crazy. So that's why we we are not when, when I when I I hear people um, speaking about lambic and 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 uh, who says uh, yeah lambic brews need cold winter. No, we don't need cold winter. We need normal winter, <laughs> simply normal winter. Right. But unfortunately, we don't have normal winter no more. Uh, this summer is certainly not a cold one. But fortunately, it's not a warm one. So we still know we are in uh, mid-February. We can sell two brews. Uh, if I remember well, it was before uh, New Year uh, because we had 14 degrees during the night, 14 Celsius. So it's, it's crazy. So uh, when, when you, you, you have to cool uh, 7,000 liters worth and the worth arrives as 85, 90 degrees on the cool ship, uh, and if you are 14 degrees outside, it's impossible to reach 18 to 20 degrees the day after. And so um, we're looking a lot to the, the, the weather forecast. Uh, every brew in the morning, in the evening, because in uh, 10 hours, the, 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 the temperature can change. Not a lot, but the temperatures can change. And in the cool ship, uh, so we are at the top of the brewery. Uh, it's... Uh, a windy room, we have shutters uh, on both sides of the, the walls, and depending on the temperature, we close it, uh, we open it, uh, we open the windows to try to cool the, the world as best as possible. You're also taking sustainability steps in order, because that weather matters to you, even though it's a small thing, installing solar panels, working more organically where you yeah. can, because you feel like that's going to help in your small way. In fact, uh, I don't want if the next generation, uh, my son or my the next one, will be in the problem because of the the global warming. Uh, if my my son of my uh, the next generation is coming by me in uh, twenty or thirty years and said, "Grandpa, I have a problem. I can't brew no more." because it's too warm in Brussels. Did you try to solve the problem? I, I could say, yes, it was at our small level. We tried to do something, and yeah, we, here we, we pollute, so we take part of the global warming. But we try in the last uh, 20 years to reduce it as much as possible. 
So uh, everything is uh, is here uh, organic. We have a photovoltaic uh, panel, so we produce our own electricity. We have 96 panels on the on the roof. We produce a part of for uh, warm water, so we have solar panel for uh, warm water. We recycle everything, glass, cartons, uh, fruits. We are working here with uh, about uh, 50 tons of uh, fresh fruits, uh, pomace, and so on. We recycle everything. We started also to produce, uh, to transform cherries and raspberries uh, in a puree use it in uh, in some uh, gelateria or or uh, to produce ice make uh, uh, to produce uh, um, ice cream your spent fruit goes into ice cream yeah yeah, yeah. very and cool. believe me it's very nice <laughs> uh, and uh, so no it's it's i i think it's simply we are working only with one uh, one vehicle here uh, mm. The big majority of the my my my, my people are coming uh, by uh, by by uh, bicycle. Uh, I'm doing it myself since since '91. So, when you are working with such a brewery producing such a natural beer, you have to be close to the nature and you have to be really in the same the same uh, the same feeling. It's uh, so. We destruct everything. Human destruct, unfortunately, a lot of things. I don't want to destruct my 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 brewery and, uh, and my and my lambic. And so the only way is to try to to take care for uh, for uh, for for what we are doing. For sure. And uh, yeah, that's why we if if we can do something more, we will. For yeah, sure. Yeah. I want to talk. You mentioned fruit, and I think that that's a good subject for us to talk about now. Um, Adding fruit to Lambic is something that you are very passionate about. You mentioned wanting to work as a, a winemaker earlier in your career and then having to, to come to the brewery. Um, but you've been able to enjoy that working in, with that people in that world, w- working with winemakers, as well as making classic beers uh, you know, like Lou Pepe Creek uh, and others. Talk to me about the philosophy that you use around using fruit with lambic first of all um so the the traditional fruits uh used for uh, for lambic uh, was creek so sour cherry we use it raspberry before war one uh, but raspberry disappears from all the lambic brewery after war one and my father uh, was the first one to um to reintroduce raspberry in Lambic in 73 or 4, if I remember well. Um, and in the 80s, it's also my father who we start to produce a grape Lambic because uh, grapes Lambic was a common beer uh, produced uh, in the south uh, east of uh, Brussels, uh, a, bit, a bit out of the, of the city in the, the area of Overijs in Jezuzaïk, in um, in those uh, those cities, uh, people uh, produce grapes, but uh, green grapes in uh, hundred glasses, and um, the grapes who were not good enough to be sold were used bar by the, the the breweries to produce grapes lambic. And the last, I think, if I remember well, the last brewery in this area 
closed in the late 60s, early 70s. And so my father had the idea to, uh, to reuse a grape uh, to produce a special beer for uh, an association here in Brussels, Cuvée des Neuf Nations. The, the, it was the name of the, of, of the beer. And so we had more and more uh, we pay more. We pay more. We we pay, we paid more and more attention to grapes, to wine, and the natural thing happens. So it was to start to work with grapes coming from uh, from wineries, and the first um, uh, experiment was uh, something beautiful, really beautiful. Um, it was a mix of uh, lambic with grapes. Uh, a blend of Merlot and Cabernet Franc coming from two of the the most important chateaux in France, uh, Chateau Bel Air and Chateau Ozone in uh, Saint-Emilion. So first, premier grand cru classé. So uh, uh, two great, great wines. Um, and my father uh, met the, the manager of uh, those two chateaux, Pascal Delbecq. And Pascal asked to my father if it if he agreed to uh, to make an experiment of grapes coming from Chateau Bel Air and Lambic. And they made it for the first time in 93. And it was a success. And the two first experiments were made in Saint-Emilion. Um, and so it was great. The result was great. And it was the start of... The, the story of uh, Lambic, the, the, the magic story of Lambic with, uh, with Wine World. Um, I know we are working with a lot of, uh, of wineries, but not only with uh, fresh grapes. Uh, we are working with uh, pomace. During our tour, we tasted a new, uh, sure. a new, a new experiment with uh, Barbera coming from uh, the famous uh, Barolo region in, uh, in Italy. Uh, so we are working with pomace. We are for working with most, and we are working with... Uh, with lease, so uh, for some barrels, I ask uh, to my friends um, barrels fresh, freshly emptied, uncleaned. So with with lease, with some wine in it, and uh, for for some of uh, of them, it it's it it's give a, a beautiful result. Uh, the the, the well known, the most known known beer is the La Vie Belge. So the, the Lambic aged in uh, Vin Jaune, so the famous oxidative wine from uh, Jura. The Jura, yeah. yeah. Uh, so close to the... Vin Jaune is also linked with, with the history, with the, the way to work with Lambic. And uh, that's why uh, it was one of my dreams to, uh, to, to try to link those two, uh, two worlds, and uh, it works more than well it's uh it's it's a beautiful beer we're drinking some now yeah. and it's fantastic <laughs> wonderful um the so just just to be clear you you rack the fresh lambic wort onto the lease in these wine barrels and then no 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 wort lambic right so it's okay. already Lam been lambic. fermented oh, it's already for, fermented lambic yeah yeah it's it both uh in fact for the for when we are working for, with uh, vin jaune barrels for example uh we are now i'm lucky enough to receive two or three barrels every year. Um, and we are working with one lambic filled with lambic wort, another one with a two-year-old lambic. And so the result is totally different. Um, the with with wort, the beer is not so delicate. It's We have a bit of... Uh, a lack of finesse in, uh, in the beer, but we have more, more character. Lambic 
is more fine, is more more is more balanced, but maybe with a lack of character. And so we reblend both, and that's the 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 result. So we are working with word and lambic. That's a fun way to do it. And do you do that also with these wine grape blends on leaves? You use multiple uh, no, when we are working with um with grapes, we are working only with lambic. We don't work with word. Talk to me about the difference between using grape uh, pomace or must and using crushed grape or, or pressed grapes. Uh, when we are working, or do with, you press them? I should say. When we are working with pomace, um, we are working with grapes already used to produce wine. So, uh, what what is pomace exactly? Um, our uh, our uh, friends uh, use the uh, a method, so they let the the grape macerate with the liquid, with the, the the juice, and they let it ferment with the grapes. Normally, to produce wine, uh, for uh, white wine, they press the grapes to extract the juice. They let the juice ferment. For uh, red grapes, for wet wine, uh, red wine, sorry, um, they press it. They let the grape macerate with the skin to give the color for some days, no more. Here we are mainly working with uh, people who let uh, the grapes and the, 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 the fruit itself macerate for months, even for time to time, not so far from one year. Uh, and so a very, very long maceration. They press the fruit to extract the wine and they sent me the, the spent right. grapes so normally they don't use it no more uh, because uh, after such uh, maceration uh, they don't distill it. So they put the grapes on the the, the vineyards to first to fertilize the the, the vineyards. Uh, and uh, here uh, we when we reuse it, we are focused on the wine flavor. So we will try to extract from the pumice the wine flavor because the grapes was a grapes dedicated to produce wine. When we are working with fresh grapes, we are working with a fruit. And so there we will be we will more focused on the fruit flavor. So it's not so uh, we have a bit more with sugar in the right. in the fruit. In the pumice we have no sugar no more. Um, and so we are working with the with with, with the, the fruit we will try to produce something a bit more more mellow uh, and we will work on the fruitiness, non, not on the, the, the wine flavor and the wine taste. So that pumice would also create a more a slightly lower alcohol, um, but also more... Uh, no, be, because, because uh, the, the, in fact, it depends if the pumice was pressed a lot or not. Mm. Uh, I don't, here, I don't like to work with a pumice too dry right. or too wet so it's sure sure but but no my my friend knows what i'm looking for uh and um and so uh in the pomace you have still alcohol and so we will always a bit increase the the, the alcohol as well yeah and certainly for the for the, the the fresh grapes because fresh grapes bring sugar and saccharomyces coming from, mm, the, from the, the skins skin. yeah and so we will uh, uh classic lambic uh is a beer cantillon lambic is a beer around 5.5 ABV. 
for the the grapes lambic we are uh, we we are around seven seven point five for uh, time to time for the Saint Venus. What does the maceration process look like? How do you go about doing that maceration? So you mean about uh, the time, the, temperature, time, the the, the blend. A, um, yeah. So um, it's temperature, we don't control the temperature, mm. so it depends of the <laughs> of the the the, the weather uh, right now for the, um, the cherry, wood. Cher- cherry yeah. and raspberry we are working with uh, frozen fruits so we can uh, produce during the all season mm. uh, beer with the same the same flavor the same the same taste F- 15 that, years yeah. ago we 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 work at st- we still work it with uh, fresh cherries and fresh raspberries and all the fruits arrived at the same time in July. And the problem was uh, we had no space enough in the cellar to bottle all the production at the same time. So it means that we kept uh, some uh, cherry or some raspberry lambic uh, for two months in the wooden barrels and other for eight months. But a beer with two months maceration or the same beer <laughs> with eight months right. maceration, the final result is totally different. And so working with frozen fruits, uh, for us, it's uh, the easy way to produce a beer always with the same balance. And yeah, we are working with the, the, the temperature we have in the brewery. So when we receive, uh, so we got uh, last week uh, a bit more than 1,000 kilo uh, cherries, frozen cherries, but you have right now in the brewery uh, around 10 degrees. So it's not so easy to defrozen 1,000 kilo, <laughs> sure, kilo fruits sure. at 10 degrees. Right. And so lamb- Lambic will take a lot of time before to, before to start to ferment, probably more than one month. So for the fermentation, it depends on the type of fruits. Uh, apricots, for example, we takes only four, five weeks maceration and fermentation, no more. For grapes or for uh, scarbaked cherries, the, the fruits we use for the Lupepe Creek, let's say three, time to time four months maceration. So for the maceration, it depends on the, the, the type of fruits. I'm tasting a lot. So uh, if I think the beer is ready, we will bottle it, even if the fermentation was shorter than foreseen. So it's not uh, a question of, uh, we don't work with time, we work with flavor, with, uh, with, with taste. If, if beer is tasty enough, if I think that the beer is ready, we will use it. I'd like to ask about the cherries, actually, uh, because you were, I think you said earlier that uh, Skadbeck cherry is the best fruit for Lambic. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about what's happening with Skadbeck cherries locally, as far as how hard it is to source them, but also where else are you getting cherries from and what is it you're looking for uh, in a cherry for your Lambic? So Scarbic cherry was was the the cherry to produce Lambic till the 60s. Um, but this type of cherry was used only to produce Lambic and to make some, uh, some liquor. But uh, because of the disparition, of lambic breweries because uh, all those lambic bre- those, the, the traditional lambic breweries disappears from uh, from the market. The scarbic cherries disappears as well because the only use for those fruits 
was to produce lambic. The fruit was dedicated to lambic. No more lambic, no more scabic cherries. And so uh, it was very, very difficult to, 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 to work with, uh, with scabic cherries. Now uh, some people uh, replant uh, scabic cherry trees. We, do, we, do, we did the same. But uh, there is also now the, the global warming. Uh, last year was a real catastrophe for fruits in general uh, because we had uh, end of spring, end of March was uh, warm, really warm. And so the nature blows up and around 10 April we had frozen, but in some region minus eight. And so all the flowers disappears, everything was burned. And um, uh, we lost a lot, so we had a bad, a bad spring. Uh, summer was, um, was uh, rainy, cold. And uh, last year, we had only 109 kilos scarbeck cherries. 100. So, Lupe Pecri 2019 will represent, I don't, I don't remember exactly, in between four and 500 bottles. No more. So the beer is beautiful. It's 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 really a very very good uh, Lupepe Creek, but uh, so we will uh, we will uh, only uh, open the bottles here at the brewery for uh, in the bar uh, for the people lucky enough to, uh, to, to 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 taste it. But yeah, unfortunately, and for me it's um, it's it's really a very to 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 work with uh, to have to work with with other types of cherries so good one but not as good as uh, as Lupepe uh, or, or as uh, as uh, scarbeck cherries it's uh, because uh, as you you said it's for me the, the the best fruit dedicated to lambic for sure yeah why is that and then what what is it you're looking for in the in the cherries you're sourcing from elsewhere is there particular but varieties you like scarbeck cherries you have everything in it so you have uh, it's, it's an acidic fruit, but when the fruit is ripe enough, you, you, you have a beautiful sweetness. The fruit is really complex, very complex, uh, giving a beautiful color, so a, a color more red, more black than a, than a, a lot of, uh, of uh, other type of uh, sour cherries. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a perfect fruit to, 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 work, to work with Lambic. And you know, we are working with uh, with cherries uh, at the two lambic since probably 200 years. If our ancestors choose this type of fruit to be blended with lambic, it's because it was the best, simply. Oh. And now we are working with um, cherries coming from uh, Serbia and uh, Turkey. Very good one. I'm happy about it, but yeah. As we were touring earlier, you mentioned that uh, about 80% of fruit is macerated in stainless tanks and about 20% you're still doing in wooden barrels. Yep. Talk to me about the difference between the wood barrel aging with fruit and the stainless steel aging I with fruit. I don't think we have a real, a real difference because mm. um, see, if we are work, still working with, uh, with wood, it's because of the, the volume. So we are working with stainless steel if we receive more than 400, li more, more than 400 kilo fruits. Less than 400, uh, I will use only uh, the half, uh, two thirds of my uh, my tank capacity. So I prefer to use 
four and five hundred liters uh, barrels uh, with with the fruit. Um, and I don't think we have a real difference. We are working with lambic aged one, two or three years in the in the wooden barrels, and we will keep it with the fruits as I told you for some weeks, maximum three or four months. I think there there is no time enough to to have a real difference in between wood and um, stainless steel. It's just extra capacity. It's extra capacity. It's a way easier to work with uh, with with uh, stainless steel. Uh, it takes less uh, less surface, right? Um, and so uh, it's it's easier. But it's also new. Uh, so we are working with uh, steel tanks since a bit more than ten years. Only ten years. So during uh, during decades, we use it only uh, wooden barrel. But that that also coincides with even more and more fruit because your customers also love these fruit expressions mm-hmm. of your beer. Talk to me about some of the new fruits that and new ingredients that you've been experimenting with and and bringing into uh, lambic because. Even though this is such a traditional focused brewery, you also enjoy experimenting and trying mm. new things. Sure, but uh, for me, the most important beer in the brewery was, is, and will always be Goose. Okay, that's I have to say it first. <laughs> sure, sure, uh, sure. And Goose <laughs> represent always for us. Yeah. Let's say thirty-five, forty percent of our of yeah. our production, um, and so uh, fruit. Uh, the the last we we spoke about it. The last uh, the last uh, really new experiment was uh, was pumice. Uh, I visited in two thousand seventeen or eighteen um, the beautiful winery in a uh, Campania in south of Italy, uh, Cantina Giardino. And they are producing their, they are crazy people because uh, <laughs> they um, crazy like craziness, but uh, I, a type of craziness I love. Very passionate. Um, so they are. Uh, when we speak about terroir, uh, I f- I always think to Cantina Giardino because yeah. they are um, working only with local grapes variety. All the barrels are made in local wood. And uh, they are working with uh, amphora, and for to build their amphora, they use it clay from their own soil. So it's uh, everything is coming from the area, and um, we tasted there uh, a beautiful wine, Sofia. So it's uh, a wine made with uh, Greco di Tufo, so uh, a local grape, uh, white grape, and um, macerated for five, six, seven months in Amphora. And so the wine was uh, really beautiful. The, the winemaker asked me if uh, I was ready for, uh, for an experiment. I said yes. And so we started to work, to work with, uh, with pumice. I was surprised myself because um, we are not the first brewery working with, uh, with pumice. I already tasted uh, beer uh, made in, in this way in uh, in Italy and uh, in Spain, and the beer were were good, but the expression of grapes was not present enough in the beer, in my opinion, and so that's why I was really surprised to uh, to extract 
all those components, all those uh, those flavor uh, from a, from a grape already used to produce wine. As we were tasting that earlier, you're right. There is a heft to it. It feels big and it feels has an intensity. The Barbera we tasted together, so it's a it's a, a, a new experiment made with my friend uh, Filippo from uh, Cascina degli Ulivi in uh, in Italy, mm. Melotti. Um, blind tasting. I think that uh, a big majority of people will go on the wine side and not probably on the beer side. Yeah. It yeah. even has that tannin, that nice yeah. tannin that, that's yeah. familiar when you have, you know, but that's, that, that's, the, that's the typical thing uh, when you are working with pumice. It's more, you have more, more tannin than with fresh fruit. And, more, and, and those tannin reminds more the wine side. As we're coming to a close here, let's let's talk about you know that big picture. You mentioned that your son is the next generation. This is a family brewery. You plan on passing that on and keeping keeping the business you know moving forward to future generations. Um, you know, is that that's the future goal? I hope. Uh, I never obliged. I never asked to Florian to jo- <laughs> to join me to join me in the brewery. So he did he did it by. Uh, by himself uh so i i hope yeah really it's uh or or one of my son i have uh, i have a second son sylvain or one of my nephew uh but someone has to take the brie over yes sure uh and it you has still to have st- a f- you have a few more years left yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, for me yes i hope it's, <laughs> i won't stop tomorrow right, um, right. and um yeah and such such a, an industry has to stay in the family. Yeah. What uh, what do you hope to achieve in the next ten years? As I told you, we we plant some scarabic uh, cherry trees. So I hope uh, it will work, and uh, we could we could uh, produce uh, some of our uh, our own uh, own scarabic cherries. The brewery itself, I hope to. Maybe to uh, for a, another space, not to increase the production, but to have more facilities in the work itself. So we have a lack of space here, time to time. It's not so easy to to, to work. If we could have some 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 more facilities in the in the job, could be uh, could be nice as well. Because you know the brewery is uh, is, is a museum. We we do we, we talk about it. When the museum is really uh, running, it's 35, 40,000 people a year. And so uh, the idea uh, should be to dedicate the brewery, a part of the brewery, to the visitors and another part for the work, for the production. Uh, so that's why maybe some, some more space, if possible, some more space in a close area around, uh, around the brewery. That's it for the rest. I'm... I'm happy of uh, what I'm what I'm doing, what I'm brewing, uh, what I'm drinking. So, I think you mentioned your your uh, father Jean Pierre is working on a, a project involving yeah. the story of the brewery. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that? Um, so it's uh, his last. He says it. He says it uh, his, himself. His last project. Um, 
so um, we will build uh, a new floor, a second floor in this building because the brewery is in fact located in two different buildings. Uh, so in this building, the right one, when you're looking to the, um, to the front of the brewery, um, we will uh, increase the building and we will build a second floor dedicated only to the, 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 the museum. So uh, the, the goal is to make a type of uh, exposition with old material, uh, all the document uh, of the brewery, of the family. Uh, my father is working on uh, the Lambic history in the, in the, the, the Brussels area, uh, working on the family history. So uh, it's, tr it's very weird because we discovered things ourselves about our, uh, our ancestors. Um, and so, yeah, because people, people coming, uh, coming today in the brewery uh, are visiting, it's, it's a live museum. So they are visiting a brewery, still working, but they don't, they don't have any, any documents, any, any things to, to, to see about, uh, about Lambic history itself, about uh, old breweries, the Lambic breweries uh, located in the cities uh, some, uh, some decades ago. And so we will, uh, we will show to the people that Brussels was a very active city speaking about, uh, about Lambic. And, uh, and that Cantillon, the, the Cantillon history, uh, start here in Anderlecht in 1900, but it's older than uh, 1900. It's such a beautiful embrace of history and a gorgeous way of making beer. And it's not just the technique, the taste, and what you're producing is beautiful, beautiful as well. Um, G&D's micro-channel condensers use a fraction of the refrigerant over traditional chillers. Soft Brew LD20 is a new all-in-one yeast and enzyme blend designed to produce dry lager beers. Old Orchard's craft concentrate blends mimic straight concentrates, but at a better price point, get detailed insight into your fermentations with Brew Monitor risk-free. Put SS Brewtex advances to work in your brew house and try New Zealand's most flavorful sustainably farmed hops from hop revolution if you enjoy the podcast of course we'd love your support go to beerandbring.com click on the subscribe button if you're planning to launch a brewery check out our next brewery accelerator in portland oregon this july at breweryworkshop.com jean thank you so much for joining us on this podcast it's my been pleasure a, it's been a very thanks for your coming of, of course of course um if people want to learn more about cantillon where do they where do they find you here <laughs> no i'm i'm here uh, every time it's yeah. uh, that's that's also uh, why i think people uh, why people are like to come at the brewery uh, we are always present uh, me uh, florian my son my my sister magali um the, the Cantillon family is, uh, when, when we say that it's, uh, it's a family-run brewery, it's a real family. <laughs> yeah. And even time to time, my father and my mother. So uh, if you are lucky enough, all the family will be present. Oh, fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at craftbeerbrew.